Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Sky back with you with another episode bringing in our man. Bobby Lamarco, aka Fantasy Football X Factor. Bobby, how you doing today, bro? Sky, ready to talk week eight. Awesome, man. Let's get right into it. We uh, know the drill by now. We're doing the early games tomorrow. We've got Lucas to do the later slate as well as the Thursday night football game, the Sunday night football game, and the Monday night game as well. But Bobby, we have eight games to get into here for the earlier slate. So let's jump right in. New England at Buffalo. Over the years. This has either been a drubbing by New England or a at least competitive game by Buffalo, especially in Buffalo. This year, man, I, we're going to get to our picks at the end of the episode, as we always do. I think this one's going to be ugly in favor of Buffalo. <laughs> New England has not looked good uh, for a while. Cam Newton, since that bye week, has not looked good at all. Um, he was a top six quarterback in the first two weeks of the season. Teams have committed to stopping him in the run. And now he just looks terrible passing. He has no weapons. The running backs are not coming to fruition. Offensive line is beat up. The defense is not what it used to be. Tough situation. New England on the other side looks like the Bills are starting to come back to fruition with a get-right game against the Jets, although it was a little close for comfort, I think, for Bills fans. I'm curious to see how you feel about this backfield still with Zach Moss getting more involved. Stephon Diggs is automatic. Josh Allen is automatic. But are you okay with – uh, John Brown, if he's healthy enough to go. And how about Cole Beasley with a career-high 112 receiving yards this week? And then Gabriel Davis is a little bit sneaky. So how do you feel overall about this first game here on Sunday? Yeah, so the Pats are, are getting four points in this game on the road. And when I really look at this, listen, Cam Newton doesn't have the weapons. Tom Brady for years didn't have the weapons. I mean, they're throwing out Jacoby Myers and Rex Burkhead as your number one and number two in the pass game right now. That's insane. Um, in this game, you know, listen, the Bills secondary has not been great. Tredavious uh, White has been banged up. Josh Norman's out. Levi Wallace is out. So when you're looking at the Patriots, you know, the Buffalo defense is not as formidable as it was in the last couple of years. So, you know, maybe Cam Newton can get right. The Bills do use a lot of uh, man coverage, which is good for running quarterbacks because Tredavious White follows top wide receivers. So maybe Cam Newton can get it going on the ground a little bit, but and you're looking at the injuries to the offensive line, too. I mean, they're potentially down two more starters. Shaq Mason's in and out of the lineup. He had COVID recently. So that offensive line has not been good, and that's just a recipe for disaster. So he has no weapons and no line. So when you look at who beats the Bills, the ground games have been successful. I mean, the Jets of all teams had 99 yards on the ground with their main ball carrier. So when you're looking at that, you're thinking, okay, maybe they can get it going on the ground because Harris has looked good and his limited touches. So last week he had 10 carries for 58 yards in the blowout against Sanford uh, when they got blown out by San Francisco. 
but I think that he can have success on the ground against the Bills. Now, the line suggests that it is going to be a closer game, so I think Harris can get you double-digit carries. He could see success against this Bills run defense that allowed 161 yards to Clyde Edwards-Solaire just a couple weeks ago. And then when you look at who beats the Bills, it actually helps the Patriots because it's slot receivers and tight ends. And granted, they don't have a tight end, the Patriots, but they do have Julian Edelman. And I think Edelman is on the wide receiver three map, especially with the Patriots underdogs in this game on the road. They are going to have to throw a little bit more. But I also think it favors him because this matchup's a lot better for slot receivers than San Francisco is. So I think Julian Edelman gets right. I think Harris is actually an interesting flex play if you have a couple bye weeks this week or injuries. I think Harris could be on the uh, flex radar. Now for Cam Newton, probably not interested in playing him. There's just better options to stream right now. And until he can prove it, he just doesn't have the weapons. So I'm not going to bother with that. On the other side, who beats the Patriots? It's slot receivers. I mean, when you have guys like Gilmore on the outside, I mean, Gilmore did get beat by DK Metcalf once, but for the most part, Gilmore has been pretty locked down. But the main guys that beat the Patriots are inside inside slot guys, mostly like Tyler Lockett, Hunter Renfro. Even last week, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel had over 50 yards from the slot. So that's very notable. And I think that's going to be good news for a guy like Cole Beasley. So last season, Beasley had seven receptions in both games versus the Patriots. So I think Cole Beasley might be one of my sneaky wide receiver three plays this week that I really like in this matchup, especially if John Brown is out again. But even if he plays, how you beat the Patriots is a slot. Of course, Stephon Diggs will have a very tough day against Stephon Gilmore, but he's just a target hog and you're not going to sit him in season long, but he's definitely a DFS fade. I think Beasley might be a cheap enough option, maybe on DraftKings where you can put him into your DFS lineups, but also run game. So back to back, Interesting about the Patriots is early on in the season, they were very good against the run. The last two weeks, they have allowed a 100-yard rusher. Um, it was Philip Lindsay, and then last week it was uh, – my name is Jeff Wilson. So I think when you're looking at it, like you said, Zach Moss is getting more involved. He did get more carries than – I mean, well, Devin Singletary had eight carries to Moss's seven, but Moss outgained him 47 to 29. So when you're looking at that, I think Zach Moss could have a nice day on the ground. Maybe if the Bills take a big lead, maybe if the things go as the season's gone, Bills take a nice lead, Zach Moss is the clock killer. And I think I would lean Zach Moss in this matchup over Devin Singletary. And, of course, you're, you're going to play Josh Allen, even in a tougher matchup. But like I just touched on with Cam Newton, the Patriots play more man coverage than any team in the NFL. That's always good for running quarterbacks. So I think Josh Allen is on your in your starting lineup and maybe even a DFS play because of his rushing ability. Love it. Bills come in 5-2, and two, leading the division. The Patriots 2-4, third place in the AFC East behind the Dolphins as well. We'll get to Tua Tungavailoa when it's time, but the Patriots right now in unfamiliar territory. Last week, they gave up the most uh, points in the Belichick era there. So obviously a different team without Brady and the boys, but uh, pretty much the same offense from last year, and Cam is just not able to get it done. All right, let's move on to the second game here. The Tennessee Titans come in after their first loss of the season to the Steelers last week. And they are up against the Bengals, who have looked really good on offense, but they can't stop anybody on defense. One, five, and one Tennessee touchdown favorite on the road in this game. One of the highest over-unders uh, on the week at five, uh, 55 points. For the Titans, Henry could have a humongous day after getting somewhat stalled from the uh, Steelers there. Tannehill, I think, uh, bounces back as well. A.J. Brown, automatic. Corey Davis has come back with a touchdown last week. Jono was pretty much skunked 
last week, but the Steelers focused on shutting him down. So I think he'll bounce back on the other side with the Bengals. You got to start um, AJ green. I think at this point, you got to start T Higgins as well. Mm-hmm. Tyler Boyd as well. So the entire wide receiver core, I think is a weekly start here and Gio Bernard. I mean, if, if, if Joe Mixon is out once again, Gio Bernard is automatic uh, just in the touches role. And I guess my question for the Bengals is going to be Joe Burrow who has been absolutely fantastic statistically, but they're not able to get over the hump last week though, 406 yards career high here in his rookie season. So a great, a great young season here, but he's going up against a stout defense in Tennessee. Yeah. So when I look at this game, I really love it. It's a great pass volume projection game. Tennessee sees a lot of pass volume on defense and the Cincinnati Bengals also see a lot of pass volume the only, and when they do see the volume too, like we just saw last week with Baker Mayfield, he threw for five touchdowns. As soon as Baker had the throw uh, against the Cincinnati team, he did very well. Plus one of their top corners, William Jackson is out. So when you're looking at the Titans offense, you know, one of the things I will say is the Bengals have been getting crushed all year on the ground, six or seven weeks. They have allowed a player to get double digit fantasy points, but Geno and Geno Atkins and Mike Daniels are both healthy and back in that lineup. So that defensive line is a lot better now with those two guys, but we just saw Kareem Hunt get to 76 yards. So trust me, I'm not worried about Derrick Henry. Plus he's a season long must start anyway. But when you're looking at the passing attack, tight ends and outside wide receivers have had a lot of success against the Bengals. So for example, the Browns and the Colts both had two tight ends produced back to back weeks. So, the Browns had two with uh, Bryant and Njoku, and then the week before that, it was it was Doyle and Burton. So there has just been a boatload of tight end production against the Bengals. So I really like Jonu if he can get healthy. Uh, last week, he didn't do much, but he's playing a little banged up, so maybe he's a week removed from that injury. I think he gets back in this game and gets right. And then also, if you look at outside wide receivers, like you just touched on, A.J. Green, T. Higgins had a really nice day. And I think that, you know, when you're looking at this matchup, it's A.J. Brown all day. I mean, I really love A.J. Brown. I think that the, there's no one on the Bengals that are going to stop him. So I'm a big fan of him. And then when you're looking at alternatives, like Corey Davis did pace the team in routes. He had six receptions, 35 yards, and a score. He's been pretty consistent all year. And I think that especially with the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be able to throw, maybe put up points against Tennessee. I think that you can see a little bit more pass volume in this game, making Corey Davis a decent start in this matchup as a flex. And I do like Ryan Tannehill. I think when you see the the pass volume projection for this game, I think Tannehill is definitely going to be a start. The one thing you do worry about, though, is if Derrick Henry dominates on the ground and then they don't have to throw much. But I think Joe Burrow has shown enough in the last couple of weeks that he's going to be able to put up points against a Tennessee defense that just has not looked good. They just allowed – I mean, they they did get three interceptions last week against Big Ben, but they did allow 260 yards and two touchdowns against them as well. But when you're looking at the – Bengals now versus, I mean, the uh, Titans, uh, the Bengals offense versus the Titans defense. One of the things you got to talk about too is the injuries to the front. This is a big problem for the Bengals. Um, You know, Jonah Williams got hurt, Bobby Hart, uh, Trey Hopkins. So three of their starting offensive linemen got hurt. So that could be a huge problem. That's something we have to monitor throughout the week because that could be, that could change things a little because then you could start seeing the Tennessee Titans getting pressure on Burrow. And then Derrick Henry dominates on the ground. That changes things. So monitor the injuries to the offensive line throughout the week. And also Dory Jackson. So their top cornerback has been out all year. Dory Jackson could be back this week. That'll be big news for this defense because he is a very talented shadow corner. He has shadow top wide receivers in the past. So, but I'm not expecting him to make it too much of an impact in this week. But when you dive into who beats the Titans, it's tight ends. 
and pretty much it's pretty much wide receivers too. So tight ends, Eric Ebron, Noah Fant, and Darren Fells all got over 50 yards. So, you know, obviously you're probably not looking at a guy like Drew Sample necessarily, but he did have five for 52 last week. If you're desperate at tight end and it's a deeper league and he's still out there, he could have a decent game, especially with them being six-point underdogs in this matchup. And then like you touched on, I think you're rolling with the, all these guys. I think Boyd, Green, Higgins, you know, we've seen guys like Juju and Johnson, Cooks and Fuller, you know, multiple wide receivers produce against the Titans. So I do like having all those guys, especially because Green – has overtaken that starting spot again. Green out ran more routes, got more targets than Higgins. And Higgins has been very good as well. But with Green getting that level of volume, I think you can roll with all three starting pass catchers and also Joe Burrow. And then when you're looking at the running back position, I I kind of hope Joe Mixon's out. I, I do because I, I think he should be back. But if he's out again, this is a much better match. Gio's a much better polished pass catcher. And I think that he could be a you know, that nice 40 and 40 type player where he gets you 80 combined yards and a couple receptions and net your double digits. So I think Gio would be a great start if he is, if there's no Joe Mixon. If Joe Mixon's in, I'm actually kind of fading Joe Mixon. I'd rather have the pass catchers in this one. We have the trade deadline coming up next week on Tuesday. Do you think A.J. Green or, frankly, anybody else that we've talked about already moves? Well, the thing is this, man, like we talked about this last week, you know, they're, they could be showcasing A.J. Green. I mean, T. Higgins is the truth. Tyler Boyd's under contract and A.J. Green, they're getting a bunch of they're throwing they're peppering him with targets. It seems a little odd, but I mean, Joe Burrow could be a fanboy. He could have A.J. Green on his fantasy team a couple of years ago. So, um, you know, I think that it is possible. But uh, I don't think it's likely. I think they want to keep Joe Burrow's confidence up. Why would you trade away a good asset if it's going to make him more confident? I think this year is all about Joe Burrow, his development. So why would you get rid of a weapon? Keep those pass catchers, especially what if, if one gets hurt, you'll have the depth. So I personally don't think they trade A.J. Green. Got it. All right, let's move on here to the Raiders and the Browns. The Browns 5-2 and two, sneak away with a, a, a big victory over those Bengals last week. The Raiders come in at 3-3, three and three, started real hot on the season, but – they uh, have stumbled a little bit. Tom Brady made short work of them. Man, the Buccaneers look good. Uh, Raiders, uh, Josh Jacobs, 31 total yards last week. Should have a better game against these Browns here, but we shall see. Nick Chubb still out. Odell Beckham Jr. out for the season with a torn ACL. Rashard Higgins should get some more work. Donovan Peoples-Jones got his first catch of the season, rookie out of Michigan. Jarvis Landry still has a bruised rib, but he should be available. Harrison Bryant. I think is the most uh, exciting asset, I guess, here for the Browns. Caught two touchdowns last week. David Njoku also caught one. We have uh, Austin Hooper out again with uh, appendectomy recovery from appendicitis. And Kareem Hunt, of course, is automatic. My question, I guess, with the Browns is, do you trust Baker Mayfield? On the other side, Derek Carr, same question. Do you trust him against the Browns? He's been putting up good fantasy numbers, but do you think he can get it done against a pretty decent secondary and then Josh Jacobs is automatic, I guess, but he's not an automatic RB1, obviously, this year. And then do we trust any of these Raiders receiving options outside of Darren Waller? So, yeah, I think when you're looking at this game, it should be a good pass volume game. The Cleveland Browns have seen a boatload of pass volume. The third, they see the third most dropbacks on defense in the NFL. And the Raiders have, over the last couple of weeks, started seeing a lot more pass volume. We just saw what Tom Brady did to them. Uh, 369 and four. So that's crazy talk. But both these defenses just got, you know, taken to the house, to the cleaners on the, through the passing game. So when you're looking at who beats the Browns, if we're looking on the Raiders side, 
It's, you know, pass catching RBs do really well against the Browns. So, you know, I think Josh Jacobs, even though the ground game matchup isn't ideal, the biggest thing with, with uh, Josh Jacobs is the injuries to his offensive line. You know, they didn't have Trent Brown last week. You know, Richie Incognito has been out. Plus, remember, all those guys got COVID, apparently, like, or got tested or COVID, you know, that last week. So there was a little bit of that going on. So I do think that Josh Jacobs can do enough overall to be a good play. Now, when you're looking at who beats the Browns, we have no talked a little bit about Kevin Johnson playing a little bit better, but we just saw what Boyd, A.J. Green, and uh, Higgins just did. They all three of them produced. And the one thing I will say is when you look at who's beaten the, the Browns over the last couple of weeks, it's been multiple players. It's Claypool in Washington, Boyd, Higgins, and Green, Lamb, and Cooper. So multiple receivers have been able to beat up on the Browns. So when you're looking at this, I know this sounds crazy, but Nelson Aguilar, we need to start taking him seriously. I mean, the guy had five catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Nine targets that was tied for Darren Waller on the week. He's on every, he's on all the waivers. And honestly, I keep looking at him and I'm like, he leads the team in routes over the last couple of weeks. He's getting a lot of targets. And I'm like, well, why don't I want him? And I'm just thinking to myself, it's time. Like, I understand Henry Ruggs is the, the rookie and Brian Edwards was the fancy first round pick. But Nelson Aguilar was brought in by this coaching staff. And he was a former first round pick. So I think Nelson Aguilar is a great waiver wire pickup. And I think he can be played in this matchup. Um, we have seen plenty of production to wide receivers versus the Browns and also tight ends. I mean, listen, Darren Waller, let's just move on. We don't need to talk about it anymore, but I'm not starting Derek Carr. So I think it's Josh Jacobs, uh, Darren Waller. And then I think Aguilar is a great wide receiver three slash flex in this game because he's slowly becoming the number one wide receiver on this team. Now on the Brown, on the Brown side, when you're looking at who beats the Raiders, it's running backs. I mean, running backs have been just crushing them. I mean, Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, went bananas. Devin Singletary had a great game. Fournette and Jones had a big game last week versus them. So, you know, you got to really like, you know, Kareem Hunt in this matchup. I think if you can get him in your DFS lineups, the guy's a complete workhorse, get him in your DFS lineups. And then the Raiders are a little more susceptible to slot wide receivers. Godwin Miller and Evans all last week produced most of their production out of the slot. So that favors Jarvis Landry. Landry does play a lot and plays about 50-50 now outside because they play a ton of two tight end sets but Landry's going to kick in and up on the inside I think Landry's a great you know wide receiver three in this matchup because of the the players I'm staying away from Baker and I'm not really interested in the tight ends the, the Raiders have been pretty good against tight ends but last week they did allow five for 62 and one against Gronk and the thing with the the Browns though is Austin Hooper coming back you know Bryant and Njoku split work last week Bryant had the two touchdowns that's great um, but I'm just not really feeling either of those guys. I think in this game, I'm not really feeling Baker too much. I'd rather go with Jarvis Landry. And I think Rashard Higgins needs to be picked up. With Odell Beckham on IR, he's done for the year. Higgins is another guy. He had six for 110 last week. Odell did not get over 100 yards a lot in this offense. So, you know, I think that the Browns are going to start seeing tougher opponents. They're going to have to throw more. I think Higgins is another player that I'd pick up. I'm not sure if I'm starting him this week because the Raiders have been very good. They just shut down Mike Evans. So, I'm not feeling the outside receiver like Higgins too much, but I think it's Jarvis Landry and Kareem Hunt on the Browns. And then it's Jacobs, Aguilar, and Darren Waller for the Raiders. I agree. There's a handful of players in this game, particularly that you can scoop up off the waiver wire this week and immediately start. I think those are great calls there. Let's move on to the Detroit Lions and Indianapolis Colts. The Colts coming off of a bye, four and two on the seasons. Lions. Three and three after a uh, another improbable loss for the Falcons, where Todd Gurley accidentally scored a touchdown 
to leave uh, Matt Stafford about a minute and a half to come down the field and beat them again. So the Lions at home here in a big game against the Colts off of a bye. For the Colts, uh, Phillip Rivers is super flex only. Jonathan Taylor, I think we're all anxious to kind of see him take the reins. I'd like to hear your uh, thoughts on the backfield on this. And then are there any pass catchers for the receiving position here for the Colts that you're interested in? I know there's a lot of names. There's a lot of guys that like could get work and have gotten snaps and blah, blah, blah. But it's basically been Mo Cox, Jack Doyle, or Trey Burton in the passing game. All three of those guys are tight ends. And then Naheem Hines and then Jonathan Taylor. Those guys are running backs. So I'm not interested in any wide receivers, but I'd love to hear if you have a different take there against a pretty rough secondary in uh, Detroit. On the Detroit side, Matt Stafford, again, came on late, got it done, uh, over 300 and a touchdown late there in that game. Um, always kind of a streaming option there, especially in Superflex. And then um, what is up with this backfield? Can we trust uh, DeAndre Swift, who scored again, but again, like Adrian Peterson seems to still be somewhat the – starter here the Colts front seven has been pretty dominant so far this year um and then Kenny Galladay automatic Marvin Jones looked a lot better when he was healthy and TJ Hawkinson at tight end looks automatic as well so how do you feel about the uh, both of the backfields here and are there any receiving weapons for Indianapolis that you're interested in this week so when you look at the Colts side and, and listen overall this game's a low pass volume game I mean Detroit and Indianapolis you don't they're well below average when it comes to seeing volume on defense so I do we do see like last week's a good example the the game was actually not high scoring both got both teams Detroit and the Falcons got in the low 20s but it wasn't some crazy shootout so Colts defense has been pretty good all year I mean they did allow 300 yards to Joe Burrow, but he had no touchdowns in that game. So that's just something worth noting from the through the air. But looking at the Colts offense, I mean, ground games have just been crushing the lines. I mean, this is like the Jonathan Taylor, get him in your D. Listen, I have Zeke, I would love to get your feedback on this. I have Zeke Elliott and Zeke's driving me crazy. I need wide receiver help. I'm thinking about offering the guy Zeke for Taylor and, and Allen Robinson. Do you think I could still get that? Zeke for Jonathan Taylor and Allen Robinson. Yeah. I, I do think you can get that um, because nobody's sure about Jonathan Taylor and Allen Robinson just came off of a dud. My concern is, is Allen Robinson going to be worth it? But that's another conversation, I suppose. Uh, and Allen Robinson is not the issue. It's obviously Nick Foles. But um, if you can flip, yes, if you can flip Zeke, who right now is basically, I mean, I understand he's a top, running back in the NFL, but that offense is going nowhere fast. Um, if you could flip him for Jonathan Taylor and, and a weekly wide receiver two minimum with wide receiver one uh, upside and you need some help, then uh, yeah, I would make that move. Cool. All right. I'm going to try it. That was a personal thing. I apologize. Let's get back to business. I will say this, the Chicago bears have the second strong, easiest rest of season schedule for wide receivers. They have a fantastic rest of the season schedule based on my metrics. So that's why I'm feeling Allen Robinson. But I just don't know if, the, if I can, if Zeke has that name value still. I know it was just one bad week, but this, the quarterback situation could be a disaster this week. So, but anyway, I digress. So I'm thinking of Jonathan Taylor smash play. I think you get him in your DFS lineups. I love Jonathan Taylor. We saw Gurley, James Robinson, Latavius Murray, and Alvin Kamara all do get double digits versus this defense on the ground. And then who beats the lines? It's more outside wide receivers. The one thing I will say is Desmond Trufant is a name to monitor. He is their top corner. He was their offseason acquisition. He has not played 
barely all year with the injuries. So I think if he comes back, that is something worth noting. But the Detroit Lions have been getting beat up by wide receivers and they have seen, we have seen duos. So like Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley both had solid days. Uh, Traquan Smith and Emmanuel Sanders both had solid days. So when you're looking at the Colts, you know, it's weird because T.Y. Hilton, I understand he's very frustrating. I have been burned by T.Y. Hilton too many times. But if you look at his game from two weeks ago, he had a touchdown called back and he had another 25-yard reception called back by, by penalties that had nothing to do with the play. So, you know, right there you're looking at double-digit fantasy points from that, that Cincinnati game. But at the same time, he had one catch for 11 yards. You know, he's just not getting the ball. He had five targets. Marcus Johnson got more targets than him. You got to follow the targets. We talk about this all the time. Marcus Johnson had eight targets in that game, five receptions, 108 yards. He could be the DFS darker in this matchup, but call me crazy. I think I'm still leaning T.Y. Hill, and I'm going to give him one more chance after the bye. This is a good matchup. I think he should be able to get it done. And then tight ends. I mean, Robert Tanyan and Jimmy Graham both scored versus Detroit. Hayden Hurst at 68 yards receiving. So when you look at the, uh, the data, Trey Burton, listen, he got a bunch of work two weeks ago, but Jack Doyle was on the field a lot. Trey Burton had four for 58 and one. Jack Doyle had three for 29 and one. Great news is they don't have a lot of good wide receivers right now with, you know, Paris Campbell banged up and, and Pittman also banged up. So I think that Trey Burton's in play as well. But I think Jonathan Taylor is the smash play of this matchup. That's the guy I want from the Colts. On the Lions, you know, it's average across the board. The, the Colts defense is – very good, and no one does really well against them. But the better wide receivers, so like we did see the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, T. Higgins had six for 125. A.J. Green had eight for 96. Uh, Landry and Beckham, Beckham had the good game receiving. Landry was the one that threw the ball to him that one game. So Landry looked good. Allen Robinson had a good game versus them. So I think Kenny Galladay is the only guy I really want. Marvin Jones was a nice play last week. It was a great volume play. I'm off Marvin Jones this week. It was a nice – I think Marvin Jones is only a play in plus matchups where there's going to be a lot of pass volume. This is not that week. I think it's just Kenny Galladay for me. I even fading Matthew Stafford in this matchup. But I think Swift is the one guy you kind of look at and say maybe because of his multiple – he gets a lot of usage in the pass game, and he's also being used in the ground game. But like you said, Adrian Peterson's still getting more carries. But we're starting to see the deterioration of Adrian Peterson. He's not looked good the last couple of weeks. I mean, last game he had 11 carries for 29 yards. So Swift is starting to look better than him on the ground. He's also getting, you know, four catches a game almost through the air. So he gives you a nice baseline. Even if he if he does, I know it's it's tough to say this, but, you know, he'll get you like seven points you know, even in his worst case scenario. So Atlanta, for example, hit seven points without the touchdown. So I think you're okay with Swift as a flex play, but for the most part, I'm not liking too many of the options in this game. Great. I think that's a great breakdown. And I've been excited about Swift. I'm trying to think about potentially trading for him in a non PPR league, Mm. Uh, but I have pretty solid running backs. I'm not really sure who I, you know, I mean, I have some good options already, so I'm not really, he would be a, like a fourth piece to fill in for bye weeks. And I just, I don't necessarily uh, want to do that. So I uh, have been kind of pumping the brakes a little bit, but yeah. before we get, before we get into, I think the game of the week and the morning slate, at least uh, potentially should be flexed into the Sunday night football game here between the Steelers and the Ravens. Let's take a quick commercial break. Bobby, you've been on all season to break down these early games. But please, if anybody's listening new here, can you let everybody know where they can find your content? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Instagram at Fantasy Football X Factor, also on YouTube as well. And then on 
Twitter, it's FFXFactor. I also post a, uh, an article for football.rasbo.com. It's the shadow coverage report. And also on every Saturday, I do the opportunities analysis where I go over the best matchups for all pass volume games for expand the box score. Love it. And y'all can hear the in-depth analysis that Bobby brings us every single week, which I love. You know that myself and Lucas and Dweez have always been bringing analytically based information. So we were blessed to have Bobby jump on this season to do the exact same thing from a different perspective. So make sure you go check out those other avenues so you can get these spreadsheets for yourself and get those reads in to help you win your DFS lineups as well as your season longs. Also, of course, please give a five-star rating and a reply here on the podcast wherever you're listening. Follow the TCK pod on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. And of course you can find our rankings and articles at tckpod.com. All right, Bobby, we got the second half here. Let's blaze through these. We will start with uh, the game of the week. This will definitely be on CBS in the morning. Uh, I would, I would imagine this is the uh, Nance and Romo game for the morning slate here we got the Steelers at six and oh the only remaining undefeated team the Titans went down and the uh, Seahawks went down this week so the Steelers the only remaining undefeated team here against the Ravens five and one this one is in Baltimore of course this has been a slugfest for many years in the AFC North this might be you know potentially for the division right they play twice every season um, but this could potentially be for the uh, division and, and playoff seating overall in the AFC for the Steelers. Big Ben has not been throwing bombs necessarily, but he certainly has the weapons. Deontay Johnson did leave the game again, but if he plays another weapon, um, if he doesn't though, Chase Claypool should have another big game. Juju finally came back to life last week. He looks good. James Washington could fit back in. Eric Ebron had arguably his best game of the season. James Conner did very well. Of course, if he's healthy, you fire him up on the other side, the Ravens coming off of a bye fresh, I'm excited to see what happens in this backfield. Before the bye week, Mark Ingram left with a high ankle sprain. No word yet if he's going to sit, if it's Gus Edwards that'll be the starter if he does, or if they're going to give J.K. Dobbins, the rookie out of Ohio State, the workload there. But I'll be excited to see what happens if Mark Ingram happens to sit in a huge game, although temper expectations irregardless because the Steelers' defensive line is absolutely incredible, and they've been uh, pretty, pretty studly against the run. Marquise Brown and uh, uh, Mark Andrews kind of have the same weekly rapport, five, six, seven targets max. They got to be very efficient, but they have been so far. Lamar Jackson is obviously automatic, but again, temper expectations against these Steelers. Game of the week, man. I'm really looking forward to this one. 11 and one combined record from these two teams. Break it down for me. Yeah, so the Steelers, this is a fun one because these teams see a lot of pass volume on defense. I talk about this a lot. So it's a great pass volume projection game. Uh, the Steelers have our 3.5 underdogs, so that is good news for the Steelers pass catchers. And listen, Deontay Johnson, it's clear that Deontay Johnson and Juju are the one and two in the sense of routes. Last week, they were far and away ahead of Chase Claypool, and James Washington barely played. So Deontay Johnson, if he's healthy, that's pretty much he's the guy. He's getting he's a target monster. 15 targets last week, nine for 80 and two. Insane game. Uh, so I think that when you're looking at who beats the Ravens, it has been speed wide receivers, though. So Brandon Cooks, Hill and Hardman, Fulgram, McLaurin, like these guys, 
you know, McLaurin and Fulgham are not necessarily speed guys, but they're typically outside wide receivers. But we have seen a lot of guys with speed beat these Ravens. And the reason why is because they have Marlon Humphrey in the slot. So Marlon Humphrey is like an all pro slot corner. You're not playing Juju in this matchup. I am not interested after that. Nine for 85 was nice on 14 targets. He's immediately back on my bench in this one. And the guys I would like to look at are Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, because I think Chase Claypool, he is that speed guy. I know James Washington technically should be that guy, but if you, if Deontay Johnson is in, Chase Claypool gets the routes. And I think he has the premier matchup on the outside with his speed. I think he's the start of the week for the, for the uh, Steelers. I also like Deontay Johnson. You cannot hide from that target volume. 14 targets again. He's been double-digit targets every time he's on the field and starts to finish. So I'm playing Deontay Johnson in this game that has a good volume, pass volume projection. I actually don't mind Big Ben in this game. I don't think this is going to be old-school smash-mouth football like it used to be because the run defenses are so much better than the pass defenses in this game. So I do think uh, when you're looking at it, I think you can play Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Big Ben, and even Eric Ebron. So the tight ends, the Joku had 350 yards and a touchdown. The Houston tight ends hit nine for 88 and one, and Kelsey had six for 87 against this team. So Eric Ebron, listen, he's been nice. Six for 50 last week against Tennessee in a game where Big Ben had to throw a lot. I expect him to do that again in this game, especially with Lamar Jackson, hopefully out of the bye. And, you know, kind of get, maybe Des Bryant sparks that offense, you know. So we'll see about that. Um, but I'm okay with that. And, of course, James Conner, workhorse. You never sit your workhorses. You start them. On the other side with the Ravens, marking them injury is huge. I mean, it would be so nice for this just to be a two-man backfield. I'm just so fed up. And, listen, Mark Ingram, you say what you want about Mark Ingram, but he has looked fine. I mean, he's probably been the best running back when it comes to just on a per-carry basis this year because he has been consistent, but he gets between, like, five and eight rushes a game. It's not even worth it. So I'm staying away from the run game in this one. No point even talking about it, really. Um, now, who beats the Steelers outside wide receivers? Travis Fulgram went over 100 yards, A.J. Brown, Darius Slayton. So Marquise Hollywood Brown is in play in this one, especially because the Steelers are so good at stopping the tight end. And I think Mark Andrews has a little bit of a slower game. Of course, he's always good for a touchdown, so you're starting him in season long. But I think Marquise Hollywood Brown is the start of the game for this, this side of the ball for the Ravens outside of Lamar Jackson. Listen, Lamar Jackson, you're always going to play him. I think this game, he's going to have to put up points, but – with Lamar Jackson, you know, sometimes like we saw with the Kansas City game, doesn't mean fantasy success because the Kansas City Chiefs put up points and he didn't. So I'm not saying Lamar Jackson's a sit. I think this is going to be a fun game to watch. I like Marquise Hollywood Brown, but I think Mark Andrews is a start season long fade in DFS and I'm avoiding the running backs for the Ravens. I agree. A low over under here, just 47 points in this one. They've had a couple shootouts over the years. They've also had a ton of games that are like nine to six. I think they're going to be somewhere yeah. in between. Somewhere in between in this one, I think it's going to be in the 20s for each team, and it might just be one of those last team to have the ball uh, gets the W here. But uh, great game in the AFC North. Let's move on to another rivalry game here. We'll move over to the NFC North, and that is the Minnesota Vikings coming off of a bye at 1-5 and five somehow, and the Green Bay Packers at 5-1. and one. Their only blemish coming against Tom Brady and the uh, all of a sudden, dominant Tampa Bay Buccaneers we'll start with the Vikings man again coming off of a bye Kirk Cousins has been looking good at times this season Dalvin Cook should be healthy they basically kind of sat him prematurely two weeks ago to make sure that he was right given that extra week everyone was excited about Alexander Madison that was a dud obviously uh, we've seen him blow up he had 100 yards plus against Seattle in one half a couple weeks before that but 
nothing two weeks ago. So expect Alvin Cook back. Adam Thielen, there are slow talks that are, I should say, uh, kind of uh, uh, whispers, not slow talks, but quiet talks, whispers that he could be on the move at the trade deadline potentially. Uh, Justin Jefferson is automatic at this point as well. And maybe uh, kind of a, a new rebirth here for Irv Smith Jr. potentially in this offense. On the Packers side, I mean, Tay Adams absolutely uh, on fire. If it wasn't for uh, Tyler Lockett, 20 targets and 200 yards and three touchdowns, Tay would have been the number one wide receiver in fantasy last week. But Rodgers going to be throwing all over the yard. They dismantled this defense earlier in the season. Aaron Jones should be back and healthy in this one. If he's not, it's Jamal Williams, not A.J. Dillon. And Robert Tunyon, man, just not getting the workload with Tay Adams back. Sternberger caught a touchdown. They had another tight end. I can't remember his name now. Had a touchdown also. And Alan Lazard potentially coming off of IR soon as well to just reload here for the Packers. So there's a lot of fantasy volume in this game. It's just a matter of uh, picking your poisons, I suppose. Yeah, we already saw this game earlier in the year, and it was awesome. I mean, Rodgers, 364-4. and four. Kirk Cousins, 259 and two, uh, 43. Uh, there was like 77 combined points in that game. It was awesome to watch. So uh, I'm hoping Dalvin Cook is back. I'm hoping that Aaron Jones is back. I'm hoping that, you know, the main guys are back. So it'll be a fun one for fantasy. Um, but the thing is with the guys, when everyone's healthy, the thing I love most about this game is that it's so focused on certain players. Devontae Adams and Adam Thielen should eat just like they did in week one. So in week one, it was Devontae Adams, 14 for 156 and two, and Adam Thielen was six for 110 and two. I expect both those guys to be awesome again this week. Adam Thielen has had Jair Alexander's number. So week one was not the only time when these two faced off versus each other. Adam Thielen has dominated Jair Alexander throughout his career. So I'm okay with Thielen. I'm not worried about that shadow coverage matchup. And then Devontae Adams, just forget about it. It's the ancillary players. And, of course, the ground games, Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, if they both play, they're in. I think it's interesting if they don't play. You know, like Jamal Williams got his last week. He was the clear lead back 19-5 to to A.J. Dillon. And then on top of that, he also got four receptions. So it's fun when they when Jamal Williams is out, Aaron Jones kills it. When Aaron Jones is out, Jamal Williams. So I think I'm still rolling with Williams if Aaron Jones is out. Madison, it was disappointing, um, but the Packers run defense is not great. I mean, listen, it's 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 okay. I mean, last week they did all right, stopping the David Johnson, only holding him to 14 carries and 14 yards. With Kenny Clark in the lineup, it's a much better matchup. So I think it's one of those things. I think Dalvin Cook's actually a good football player. So I think it's Dalvin Cook. If Madison, he's only a flex play if, if Cook is out, but I think Cook should play. Other than that, when you're looking at it, tight ends beat the Vikings as well. So I think Robert Tanyan, listen, Robert Tanyan last week did not have a lot of production, only two receptions for 32 yards because everything went to Devontae Adams. So, you know, outside of Devontae Adams, no one ate last week. But the thing is, in week one, Marcus Valdez, Scantling, Alan Lazard, both had nice games. So I think if Kirk Cousins could play a little bit of keep up, even though this game is in Lambeau this week. So I think that could play a factor because they played indoors in week one. Now they're playing in Lambeau this week. So that could hurt Kirk Cousins as well. So I think maybe that could affect the pass volume. So I think when I'm now that I'm talking through it, I think I'm just going to stick with Devontae Adams. I might fade the rest of the pass catchers and I'm playing the running backs and Aaron Rodgers. And then for the Minnesota side, I think it's just Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook for me. Uh, Justin Jefferson is fine. Listen, you're going to expect the Vikings to have to throw in this one. You know, we did see last week Randall Cobb, Brandon Cooks, 
and Will Fuller scored. So there was plenty of production from the Houston side against Green Bay because they were down big. So I think Justin Jefferson should be fine. But the other thing is, too, Irv Smith's emergence has clouded that that receiving core a little bit because Irv Smith is now demanding some targets. And when you look at the Packers and, you know, who beats the Green Bay Packers, we just saw Gronk. Well, we saw Gronkowski, 8 for 78 and 1. Hurst and Hawkinson both got over 50 yards. So I think Irv Smith, because you don't need much from a tight end for them to be productive for fantasy. So if he gets you five or four receptions for 60 yards, that's a solid day in half point PPR for a tight end. So I kind of like Irv Smith. Justin Jefferson's a flex player. I really think it's going to be Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook in this one. And I'm not interested in playing Kirk Cousins on the road. Aaron Jones seems to be on deck to play in this game again. He, you know, he sat out last week. It sounded like he was able to go, but we saw them. We saw the training staff for Green Bay keep Devontae Adams out an extra week to get him healthy. Mm-hmm. Looks like they just want to make sure that Aaron Jones is 100%. Uh, just if he's out again, are you confident in Jamal Williams or are you going to take another swing at A.J. Dillon? No, just Jamal Williams. That's all I want. Got it. All right, let's move on to the Jets at 0-7 and the Chiefs at 6-1. For the sake of the listeners, Bobby, let's keep this one to literally two minutes. <laughs> All right. 0 and 7 for the Jets, 6 and 1 for the Chiefs. To make it worse for Jets fans, this one is in Kansas City. So it's not even a home game. I expect this one to not only be a shutout, but maybe the first game ever to 100 points for the Chiefs. For the mm. Chiefs, you start everybody, including Le'Veon Bell. This is his revenge game. I expect him to have at least yeah. a touchdown, maybe two, just out of spite. And Andy Reid seems to be the kind of guy to like mark up some plays, get him in the end zone, fire up Le'Veon Bell, CEH, Mahomes, Hen- uh, Hill, and Kelsey, automatic, obviously. On the other yeah. side, for the Jets, I mean, maybe LaMichael Pirine. I can't think of anybody else. Crowder's not healthy. Denzel Mims came in, but I can't imagine he's going to get much going on in this game. And I think uh, Darnold's going to be running for his life this entire game. So it's going to be a mess. And make sure to start the Chiefs DST as well. All right, Bobby, 45 seconds. Go. (laughs) Uh, You know, you're good, man. Honestly, I I agree. I think it's going to be one of those things where it's it's Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, and that's it. I don't think you get cute and expect this to be a 50-0 blowout. I think the Chiefs will be able to slow the game down late. So I think you're pretty much going to start just your main guys. Don't go after Demarcus Robinson or Nicole Hardman. I think you just keep it simple. You play the studs. That is it. So that's my one tidbit. On the Jets' side, listen, they're banged up. Jameson Crowder's out. Perriman's out. I'm not interested in anybody. Uh, P. Ryan's a bench stash, and I think that's pretty much it. I agree. This is kind of a lower over-under, kind of 48-and-a-half over-under here because, again, yeah. the Chiefs will probably be up about 35-3 to three at halftime, and then I don't expect them to do much in the second half except for run the clock out. However, the Chiefs are favored by 19-and-a-half, one of the highest uh, lines I've ever seen in the NFL. That's basically right. three touchdowns they are favored by, and I probably have to take the over. I mean, that's a college that's a college line. I mean, that's like Clemson versus Vanderbilt or something uh, line. That's pretty, pretty epic there. So Chiefs six and one cool. Jets. Oh, and seven. Say la vie. Let's, Let's move on to, to go ahead. Can we talk about one thing though. What about Lev Bell in the sense that season long outlook? I mean, did you see anything? Listen, last week, eight to six was the carry count between the two. Um, and they just kind of shut it down against Denver. They did not throw much. Yeah. They basically, but I think my thing with Lev Bell is he looks smooth, man. The one thing, I will, one thing I will tell you about Lev Bell is this. 
Lev Bell has always been a product of his offensive lines. Mm -hmm. So in 2017, he had a stud offensive line in Pittsburgh. That, I mean, that offensive line, when you look at adjusted line yards, is actually worse than the Chiefs this year. The Chiefs have a great offensive line. And he had, you know, six-plus yards per carry last week, a nice 16-yard run. Those are things were not happening with the Jets. Mm -hmm. Are you interested in Le'Veon Bell trading for Le'Veon Bell? What's your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I have been anti-Le'Veon Bell for two years on this podcast. Like, I have been no budge. I'm not going to draft Le'Veon Bell no matter what, almost, uh, the value. And I'm not interested in playing him if, if I ended up actually getting him on my teams. However, I have been saying for two years, once Gaze gets fired and or Le'Veon Bell gets traded, I will be first in line trying to get him because Le'Veon Bell is a player I want on my team. I did not want Le'Veon Bell as the Jets running back. So I think that that was just a knock the rust off game. Again, man, this is the, you know, there's this like popular thing that we just say now. When anybody plays a team that they used to be on, it's a quote unquote revenge game. I think that narrative is super dumb 99% of the time. However, (laughs) sometimes there's guys with the ego and the attitude to make it matter. And all Le'Veon Bell wants to do is stick it to the Jets. I would not, I'm not expecting it per se, but with the Chiefs being up huge at halftime, which I expect, and CEH being a grinder for the first seven games of the season, maybe Andy Reid turns it over in the second half of the fourth quarter at least and lets Le'Veon Bell take 15 carries at the end of the game. He racks up 100 yards, gets in the end zone once or twice just to kind of gut punch the Jets and what they didn't do with him over the year. I agree. My take has always been with Le'Veon Bell. He is also a product of the offensive line. I've been saying that for two years as well. I totally agree with that. His dancing around Alvin Kamara-esque style of running does not work behind a bad offensive line. And the Jets have been horrendous for two years. The Steelers were magnificent. And the Chiefs, as you mentioned, are just as good, if not better, this particular season. So I could see this turning into an RBBC if you want to think of it that way. But I think it's more just like, Andy Reid and this offense are going to be able to run a ton of plays, score a lot of points, and get a lot of yardage. So having a committee in this particular offense is not a big deal. Having a committee in a slow-paced offense is horrendous, like the Broncos or something, right? But in this offense, if CEH it turns into the pass-catching back more or less, and Le'Veon Bell is the first and second down back, I think both these guys are going to eat just fine. They can both break long plays. They can both catch the football. They can both run up the middle. And um, I give Lev maybe the, the, the edge on the goal line because we just saw multiple weeks of CEH not being able to do that. But CEH scored last week in a pretty tough run where he was hit by four or five different defenders and got it in. So, I mean, the, the rich just get richer, right? I mean, the right. Chiefs just, just picked up a free running back who wants nothing but to prove doubters wrong who are all over the NFL. He knocked the rust off last week comes in now he gets to play the Jets who are a train wreck anyway and I think Le'Veon Bell is going to go nuts in this game frankly so yes but if you have Le'Veon Bell and you are worried about it I would trade him very high after this game if you don't have Le'Veon Bell you better get him in the next three games or you're not going to be able to so let me ask you this David uh would you rather have David Montgomery or Lev Bell rest of the season Lev what about Devin Singletary Lev for sure not even close. David, David Montgomery is more of a conversation for me. Um, but the Bears offense is just so bad because Foles is actually turning into a pumpkin and he's terrible. So now we're seeing it. But if they actually get a quarterback somehow, I think that the Bears have a chance. And, and David Montgomery, 
looks like a decent running back to me. I mean, he got stonewalled by that uh, defensive line for the Rams, which is stopping everybody. But I think he offers more. Singletary, I think, is a good running back as well. But you've got Moss to do the fantasy stuff. Moss is going to catch the ball. Moss is going to run on the goal line. Mm -hmm. Devin Singletary could have 12 touches for 80 yards, but it's going to be between the 20s unless he breaks a big play. I don't like that necessarily. Again, in this offense, even as the 1B, quote-unquote, I would take Lev over both those guys. Okay. Let's move on to the last game of this slate here, and we'll get our picks in. We got the Rams at 5-2 and two with a big win over the Bears on Monday Night Football and the Dolphins coming off of a bye starting Tua Tungavailoa. So let's start with that first of all, right? They're throwing him into the Wolves with Aaron Donald and his defense. I heard a great take uh, this afternoon on uh, another podcast and it was kind of this, uh, this two-way thinking process of, um, you know, starting Tua at this time of the season, A, and B, against this defense. First of all, Jalen Ramsey and the secondary are phenomenal, okay? Secondly, Aaron Donald and the, off- and the defensive line are phenomenal. So they're setting Tua up for failure, straight up. Like, I expect a bad game. I expect the Rams to run them. And I expect Tua to have a bad game for fantasy and NFL purposes. However, I think the point is they gave him a bye week to plan for this game. They also gave him a bye week to kind of like get used to the system. And even if he gets his ass kicked this week, the idea is moving forward in a good division with the Bills and the Patriots, he will not have that shock factor moving forward, right? Like he's prepared to get his ass kicked is what I'm saying. He's not used to it playing at Alabama and trumping everybody else, but now he's going to get some humble pie this week. And if if somehow the Dolphins show up at home and the Rams have to travel all the way across the country for this game and the Dolphins come out and punch them in the mouth, even if they lose, but it's a close game, like 27-20 and the Rams win, but the Dolphins actually like can make some plays happen, that's going to be humongous for Tua moving forward. And we've already seen what Joe Burrow and uh, Justin Herbert have been able to do in these rookie seasons here. And I think Jalen Hurts is just waiting his turn as well in Philadelphia personally. So that's going to be really interesting to see what happens with him. My question to you is what happens to the rest of this offense? Miles Gaskin. I mean, you got to start him, I guess, because you're looking at running backs, but the Rams have just blown up everybody on offense or on defense, I should say. And then Devontae Parker was great with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but what are we going to see here with Preston Williams and what he is able to do as well on the other side, the Rams look, they were able to get the win, but it was kind of ugly. Robert Woods and Cooper cup have not been what we thought they were going to be. Jared Goff has been winning games and playing good kind of game manager, but not airing out the ball as much. Tyler Higby has basically disappeared. Jared Everett has taken that role, but he's not very sexy either. Josh Reynolds was the guy getting all the work last week. Henderson, Brown, Akers, kind of a a mess there in that Rams backfield too. So for me, man, there's a lot of storylines in this game. There's a lot of fantasy names, but I'm not really excited about any one particular player, to be perfectly honest here. Yeah, um, you know, this is my thought process on the Tua situation is that what they need to see first was, is the skill position players worth it? So Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Mike Jaziki, do they have a core with Gaskins as well? So I think Ryan Fitzpatrick gave them an opportunity to evaluate those guys. Now it's time to see how Tua can do it. Like, listen, you're going to be eight and eight, probably with Ryan Fitzpatrick, seven and nine. That's not going to get it done. You're wasting your time. You're not making the playoffs with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You're probably at best looking at a nine, nine and seven football season. So 
this was a great opportunity for them to flip the switch because now you can get some time with Tua and these pass catchers because you have Parker under contract, Williams, Gaskins is a young talent, Jaziki as well, former former top pick. So I think you can now see for this year, even if you don't win games, it's about developing chemistry for 2021. And that's what they're doing. For us, for fantasy, God, that's not what we're interested in. But we don't know how Tua's going to be. I am taking away to see pros, not because of Tua necessarily, but because of the matchup. I mean, listen, the Rams are the toughest matchup against wide receivers in the NFL. We just saw, I mean, Allen Robinson had four for 70, which is fine. But Allen Robinson's been a PPR machine, and he got slowed down by the Rams. So I'm not really too excited about Devontae Parker or Preston Williams in this game. Um, even in the ground games, listen, you know, I'm not overly – listen, Gaskins has been a nice Swiss Army knife. I just like the fact that, you know, Jordan Howard has been a, a healthy scratch, and then now he's getting goal line work, which is really cool. So we'll see. Maybe Tua will utilize the pass catching RBs, but I don't think you're going to get away from Gaskins as a flex because he's a great – he's featured in the pass game, and he's also featured as a ground game. He got 18 carries just two weeks ago, so I think that's great news for him. Uh, in this game, you know, I'm not going to start any Dolphins, so let's go from there. I think on the other side, though, the Rams, listen, you know, who – Byron Jones and Xavier Howard are finally healthy. Now they're coming out of the bye. They have some really good, talented outside cornerbacks uh, in this defense. And when you're evaluating Miami, you know, for the season, they have been much more productive. Your teams have been much more productive in the slot versus out wide. So I'm favoring Cooper Cup over Robert Woods in this matchup. I really do think Cooper Cup bounces back after a very slow week last week against the Chicago Bears and he flips the switch because we have seen much more production to the slot versus Miami, especially with Howard and Jones now healthy on the outside. So like that's notable. And then for a tight end perspective, listen, if Higby's out again with the hand injury, I think Gerald Everett you can roll with, but Miami's been very tough for versus tight ends as well. So I think from what I'm looking at right now, I think this is going to be a ground game for the for the Rams. I think Henderson is a smash play. I think Henderson is a borderline, you know, DFS play. I think he can get you a lot of production. Um, you know, I am a little worried about the can makers. Is he waiting in the wings? But this week, it's just Henderson is running hard. You watch that game against the Bears. He's running, hitting holes hard. I think that's why I'm leading Henderson in this matchup. I don't think I'm too excited to start Jared Goff in this game. So I think it's really just to me, it's Daryl Henderson and Cooper Cup for the Rams. And for the Dolphins, the only guy I'm flexing this week is probably going to be Miles Gaskins in this one. That's interesting. I am curious to see how these wide receiver cores do against these great secondaries. Yeah. Uh, yeah it just, it's going to be, it's going to be real interesting here to see what Goff is able to do on the road across the country. And, and traditionally Goff has not been as good on the road, especially, you know, heading across the country there. Cause that is one of the, longest uh road trips that uh, any nfl team has which is when that southern california team goes out to florida or vice versa or when they head up to seattle or new england or something like that so corner to corner that's one of the uh, farthest trips you need to make there so man dolphins uh, i don't think they have a i don't think they're going to win this game necessarily but i do think it's going to be a close matchup and i'm really excited to see to a play mainly because he's left-handed and I'm left-handed, and there's not many left-handed quarterbacks of note. Uh, the two most popular in my lifetime uh, that I remember are Steve Young and, of course, Michael Vick. Uh, so I'm excited to uh, see those particular guys. All right, man, that wraps up the morning slate. Again, tomorrow we'll roll over the afternoon slate as well as the Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night games with Lucas. 
But Bobby, before we get out of here, man, let's get some uh, picks in. A quick update. Uh, last week you were ten and four, so nice week for you. You and Lucas were ten and four, leading the charge. Dwayne and I were nine and five, so we have Lucas up at the top at fifty and twenty-four. I'm at forty-seven and twenty-seven. You're at forty-five and twenty-nine, and Dwayne at forty-two and thirty-two after uh, seventy-four total games here since week three when we started keeping tabs. So Bobby, let's start here with the morning slate. You know how we do this. I'll give you two teams. You give me the winner straight up new England at Buffalo, Buffalo, Tennessee at Cincinnati, Tennessee, Las Vegas at Cleveland, the Raiders, the Raiders, Indianapolis at Detroit, Detroit, Ooh, I like that one on at home. Good game there. Fired up after the big win against the Falcons. Nice pick. Mm -hmm. This one's a big one, man. Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Pittsburgh. Ooh, another road victory there. That's a big one. Minnesota at Green Bay. Green Bay. Uh, Chiefs. <laughs> how? Okay, here, here's the question. How many do the Chiefs beat the Jets by? 21. 21 modest Lucas and I are going for a hundred. I went with a hundred. I went with a hundred. Lucas went with 101. Uh, you're at 21. So we'll play yeah. uh, price. We'll play prices, right? Rules. Okay, cool. Works. Last but not least LA Rams, Miami Rams. All right. That'll do it for episode 292. Bobby, it's always great to have you, man. One more time, please let the TCK Potters know where we can find your content. Yeah, of course, man. You can find me on Instagram at Fantasy Football X Factor. Same goes for YouTube. On Twitter, you can find me at FFX Factor. And of course, please read my articles every Friday, the Shadow Coverage Report on football.rasball.com. And then on every Saturday at Expand the Box Score, I do the opportunities analysis. So really appreciate the follow, and I really appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Go support the family, TCK Potters. You know how we do this. It's all it's all family thing here with the TCK Pod. Give us a five-star rating and a honest review on the podcast wherever you're listening. Please go check out our rankings and our articles at tckpod.com. Slide into the DMs on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod or Twitter at tck underscore pod. I get back to every single question every week. It is quite daunting, but I really do enjoy meeting all of you, having the conversations, and getting it in. So make sure to ask us about start sits. Make sure to ask us about trade opportunities coming up. Run those by us so we can talk through it. And, of course, covering bye weeks. And a quick reminder, Arizona Cardinals, Washington football team, Jacksonville Jaguars, and Houston Texans on a bye this week. Get them out of your lineup. Best of luck on your uh, week eight rosters. Happy Wednesday. We'll catch you tomorrow with Lucas for the later game slate and on Friday with Chris Benavides of the Commission FFP for the TCK Listener League breakdowns. For Bobby LaMarco, I'm Scott Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.